0: Welcome to The Hidden Palace with SkyBlaze.
1: Good morning, afternoon, evening or night, wherever you are in the world. I'm SkyBlaze and this is The Hidden Palace, back for 2024 here on Radio Sega. Um... My initial intention was to broadcast yesterday, uh, but the file store where we keep um, all of the music for Radio Sega was not working correctly. In fact, if it had been any flakier, you could have put it in a yellow wrapper and had it sold by Cadbury. Um, but... I uh, managed to bypass it. Thank you ever so much to Nicholas Saman, who helps find the music that I'm using today. So uh, I didn't need to try and have a fight with the file store. Uh, so as we all know, things that may be completely fine in one country um, might not necessarily be okay in another country. Which video games can lead to things such as changes in name, changes, uh, censoring of violence, or uh, other activities. And there are other kinds of regional differences uh, that we are going to take a look at in today's episode. Uh, First up we have Athlete Kings, also known as Decathlete, which initially released in Japan's arcades in 1996 and then a Sega Saturn version was released later that same year. The first obvious thing is the name because, as I've just said, it has two names. Uh, In the US and Japan it was known as Decathlete, likely owing to the fact that all the features of the game's events uh, you will see at a Decathlon sporting event, so Decathlete, Decathlon. While well, the European version was called Athlete Kings, despite there being three female competitors. <laughs> Athlete Monarchs? Maybe? I don't know. Post your alternative names for this game uh, in the chat. It isn't actually all that clear why the name was changed. Um... And speaking of which, I'm going to get onto something that isn't clear, or something else that isn't clear, in a moment. There's a couple of interesting tidbits uh, that is notable about uh, Athlete Kings. The first is that while the game has eight playable characters in the Japanese and European versions, one character has been removed for the US release, and that is Jeff Janssen's, who was known as Robin Banks in the arcade release. There's no clear reason as to why he was removed in the US version. Uh, But if anybody does know um, what the reason is, feel free to let me know. The only thing that I could think of was it was something to do with the Robin Banks name. Because there is actually, well, was a DJ, uh, a radio radio DJ, quite a famous radio DJ actually, in the UK at that point. Although why... Was it removed from the US version instead of the European version if that was the problem? Hmm. And Jeff Jansen I mean is Jeff Jansen actually somebody's name? Was that the problem? It is not clear. So Pocket Larry is saying athlete democratically elected officials. <laughs> uh Nick is saying, I guess it's technically got three names since some regions called it Decathlete and others call it Deck a feel And I think Decathlete was the Japanese one. Oh, d- who knows? It- it's uh, it's a bit obscure. I'm going to loop my torch bit. So, the other interesting fact from this game is that the Japanese version actually has a hidden character, Mankichi Kazami who is a character from a manga series called Decathlon there's your link Uh, written by Yoshiro Yamada Uh, To unlock this secret character, if you happen to have a copy of the Japanese version you will need to do the following Complete Decathlon mode having scored 8,000 points On returning to the title screen, hold X while selecting your game and player and this will unlock Kazami in the Japanese version However, the US and EU versions still will get something if they follow this procedure. While Kazami is not playable in these versions, his voice is still available in the sound test. So if you follow the steps that I outlined earlier, the sound test will no longer end at number uh, 166, and instead you will get 167 onwards, all having uh, Kazami's voice lines. Presumably still in Japanese Because I can't see that they'd bother to translate it if He wasn't going to be in the international version Now then Let's have some music then shall we? Um, so from Athlete Kings uh, We have the uh, 1500 metre race And then our first request for this evening we have F1 Challenge Suzuka requested by Electric Boogaloo So have a listen and I'll be back after this music break to talk about the next game! I'm Reson SD, host of and Live. And when it comes to boosting your Sega education, there's no better place than The Hidden Palace on Radio Sega. that was F1 Challenge Suzuka, requested by Electric Boogaloo, and then before that we had from Athlete King's 1500 metre race. Uh, Electric Boogaloo, uh, the chat has been busy during the music break. Um, hello to the chat. Uh, Electric Boogaloo is saying, uh, in case you're wondering about the challenge, uh, the F1 Challenge request, uh, the original Japanese version of the game had a live commentary track as suggested by its original Japanese title, F1 Live Information. When Sega Europe localised it for the West, they replaced the commentary with new music tracks, which were produced in-house by Adam Salkeld and Richard Jakes. So, that's another bit of uh, useful Sega information. And I swear, Electro Boogaloo doesn't want my job, but really should be doing it. Uh, They know so much, it's really terrifying how much information they have stuffed in their head. And Gabby was also saying, uh, wondering if the winter sequel to Athlete Kings uh, also had any regional changes. And uh, for those who were not aware, the winter sequel to Athlete Kings was called Winter Heat. And to the best of my knowledge... Uh, there aren't any significant changes between the Japanese and, um, international versions. Uh... So, it's converted from the arcade game but has three added Assassin-exclusive events for a total of 11. From the Downhill to the Bobsleigh to the Ski Jump, Winter Heat, uh, allows up to four players to compete for first place and world records. And also, uh, Robin Banks is back again in Winter Heat. He's a secret character in Winter Heat, uh, complete with a black and white striped outfit. Subtle. And um, uh, Nick's also saying that Jake's, uh, or just Sega Europe in general, had a bit of a habit of mostly replacing soundtracks, so getting it just to add uh, to an existing one is definitely interesting. And the the Sega education comes from all sides in this show. <laughs> Thanks, President SD. That's one of the nice things about having the Discord chat is that you get little uh, little bits like this. It's it's, it's nice. It's great. And um, I I I remain very jealous of Doan's. Uh, Doan went to a, a, a video games fair in Leeds and picked up some really nice Sega-related swag. Uh, I I'm very jealous, but it's probably just as well I didn't go because all my paycheck would just go on that. It. Bad for me. My, my list of games I have yet to play is still really long, so let's move on, and let's loop the talk bit. So, my second game for this evening is Pandemonium. Uh, released in 1997, this platform sees you playing as a court jester called Fargus, and his stick puppet called Sid, and an acrobat called Nikki, as they look to defeat a monster called Yungo. However, the Japanese version is uh, somewhat different. Here, our characters are Crumb, a graffiti artist, and Guppy, an aspiring actress. Okay, together they come across a magic hammer called Sid, who fall- had fallen from the sky. All right, Sid tells Crum and Guppy that they have been chosen to help save Amazing Land, where people's dreams come true. Along with the change of protagonists, the game has a new introduction video and is also known under a different name, uh, where it is called Magic Hoppers. Thankfully, the gameplay and levels themselves are pretty much all the same, apart from a few fairly minor cosmetic changes. The first one being in the first level. At the start of the level, if you head left instead of right, you can then jump onto an arch where a power-up can be found. In the Japanese version, you need to knock a statue off the arch first, and then the power-up will appear. In an odd turnabout, the sequel, Pandemonium 2, kept the characters of Nikki and Fargus and the Japanese version, known as Miracle Jumpers, decided to keep Nikki and Fargus for their version as well. Although we don't really care too much about this uh, because Pandemonium 2 was only released on the PS1 and Windows so not hugely relevant to Radio Sega. So, yeah, it, it's interesting that the, the Japanese version of the sequel took the, the Western names of the characters and decided that that was the canon. That doesn't happen that often, as far as I'm aware. Let's have a look at what's going on. Um, Electric put up the artwork for the Sega Saturn versions of Pandemonium and Magical Hoppers. Uh, developed by Toys for Bob. Uh... Why don't I know that name? Is that the Crash Bandicoot people? Or are they one of the ones who are currently locked in a uh, Call of Duty dungeon? Endlessly churning out shooty-bang games. I'm not sure, because I I have had a long week and um, I went out drinking with friends earlier, so my brain is uh, a bit fried. Oh. Parkus was originally Crash Bandicoot before Sparrow Reignited. I thought I there was something to do with Crash Bandicoot. So, yeah. Cool. And also in the Co- uh, Call of Duty Mines. I did remember it correctly! Well done! <laughs> Let's have some music, shall we? So, from Pandemonium, uh, we have Spider Forest. And then after that, we have another request, and this is from Ease. It's from Ease the Vanished Omens, and it is called Tower of the Shadow of Death, and requested by Doan. So please enjoy, and I'll be back after this music break to discuss the next game. Back and that was East the Vanished Omen's Shadow of the Tower of the Shadow of Death rather requested by Doan and before that we had from Pandemonium Spider Forest. Uh, Pandemonium actually has a really nice soundtrack, um, worth checking out if you can find it. Um, I recommend pestering Nicholas Mann because he is the demon ruler of the playlist and has access to all the things. And uh, <laughs> we're having a discussion about. Um, how the uh, the word the word east is written on the the uh, port the master system port. Um, it looks like the way that they've put the the punctuation makes it look like it's saying it's called Weiss instead of Ys. Uh, so that's odd. And Galen's saying I've always pronounced this as Soleil, but I'm guessing I'm a smidge wrong. Um, soleil. Nous sommes du Soleil Uh So the only reason I know how to pronounce Soleil is because of the, there's a Yes song called Ritual which has the lyrics which are Nusanne du Soleil Uh, so Even though I don't know French uh, that's probably the, <laughs> the extent of the French I know Uh, and Nick is giving pronunciation refer- uh, uh lessons on, <laughs> on saying things. I was saying the other day we should have uh, some uh, idents on the station which are in other languages. I think uh, of the staff we've got like at least four or five languages covered um, and I can probably get some other people to, to do some more. Because I know at least one Spanish speaker and at least one Spanish speaker, German speaker, Japanese speaker. There's probably some more I can't remember, but it would be nice to have some other languages in our audience, I think. Moving on! Um, So, on to the most controversial pick of uh, this evening. SEGA AGES Volume 1, and no, I don't mean the one on the Switch. This game was released in the EU in 1996 and later in the USA in 1997. It was a compilation of three games, Space Harrier, OutRun, and Afterburner 2 While getting three games on one disc sounds pretty good Seeing as Japan had them sold as separate titles It was not without problems One of the big losses that was suffered in cramming three games onto one disc was cutting some of the music tracks which were part of the original one disc releases Interestingly, near the back of the instruction manual for Sega Ages Volume 1 is a small, translated excerpt from the composer of the included games, Hiroshihiro Karaguchi. In it he explains that when it was decided that they would go with arranged versions of the tracks over the originals, he debated over whether or not he should make the tracks as close to the originals as possible, or go at it from a completely different angle. In the end he went with what he called free composition, and that's what we ended up with in the final product. And this was one of the ones that caused me a few problems when I was trying to find things in the uh file store. Because I could find Outrun and under the Sega Age's name. And I could find Space Harry under the Sega Ages. 2,500 Release? <laughs> Could I find Afterburner 2? No There's literally about 16 different Sega Ages releases And uh, none of them are Afterburner 2 In our file store And I don't know if that's just because the file store was being weird or... I'm missing something but it was a bit strange And Nick's saying, Working Design's got to translate the message from Hero in the, in this, uh... Yeah... <laughs> oh, dear. Working Designs. Let's not talk about that. Because if I start talking about Working Designs and their... INTERESTING approach to localization, I... I think I could probably get, like, three episodes out of that all by itself. Uh, but it's depressing because they they kind of they put the thing about working designs is uh, they put a lot of uh, pop culture jokes in it and a lot of kind of raunchy humour that isn't necessarily meshing that well with the actual tone and, and feel of the game I mean they're, they're often still good games but there's really jarring moments in them sometimes um, but you know <laughs> uh, Nick saying I do remember that Hero said Fantasy Zone was supposed to have a fully arranged soundtrack but for, as per usual for Hero but he didn't have enough time so they just did the one song and It's Purvis uh, says Working Designs has a history you're not wrong. You are not wrong. Uh, don't saying I like the weird translations, but I did not like the random making games impossibly hard. Oh, yeah. I'd I almost forgotten about that. They did mess with the difficulty in quite a number of games as well. Also not great. Let's move on, shall we? Um, A pocket Alera is saying, at least nowadays we have unworked designs? Is that a, a, a mod house or something? Please, please elaborate on this Pocket Hilaria, because I'm, I'm, I'm very interested to, to find out about that. But first of all, let's have some more music. So, from the Sega Ages 2500 release of Space Harrier, we have Battlefield. Uh, which is the sort of track I'd probably play during one of my DJ sets, to be perfectly honest. And then uh, another request for this evening, we have Cyber Speedway Dajam, requested by Electric Boogaloo, who is very reliable at sending me requests. So thank you very much uh, for your service, Electric Boogaloo. So um, listen to that and come back and there we'll, we will. Uh, I will tell you what Pocket Hilary said about uh, unworked designs. So I'm fascinated to hear more about this. And then we can have Jet Chunk Corner. So please enjoy!
0: To the Hidden Palace with the wonderful Skyblaze only on Radio Sega. Well, I guess if you're here, it's not that well hidden, is it?
1: Cyber Speedway Da Jam Requested by Electric Boogaloo And before that we had From Sega Ages 2500 Space Area Battlefield And today I learned That apparently um, Sega Music Group uh, Were involved in the production Of Train's first album As in Drops of Jupiter Train uh, For UK indie rock fans So that was a surprise Uh, Train kind of did the one album over here, and they just disappeared off the face of the earth as far as the UK was concerned. Uh, But they were trying to compete with, you know, every other indie rock band during that period. And there were quite a lot of them in the UK at that point. So... Moving on. Uh, Yeah, I think Greyford and I were discussing during the music break, I think we can get quite a lot of mileage out of uh, Working Designs. Localization. We shall see. Um. So, this week's ChipTune Corner Artist was recommended by Pocket and uh, Thank you to them. So, John Joy Tay is a Malaysian ChipTune musician who describes themselves as a FM synth enthusiast. Though they're primarily an arranger, they have also written a number of ChipTune tracks, which you can find on YouTube and Bandcamp. And I am going to link their band camp on the Discord chat. There you go. So, where is my music on? There it is. So this is a going to be a track called Starfall. Um, I had th- a lot of their music is really good, but quite a lot of it is kind of prog rock length, so it's like six or seven or even eight minutes long, which is great, but long quite long. So probably not ideal for a radio show. So here we have John Joy Tay, Starfall. Please enjoy, have a listen, let me know what you think, and I'll speak to you after this music break too. Close out the show. John-Joy-Tay-Starfall. And um, Electrobigaloo described that as sounding dreamy, and it does. Uh, the composer described it as being like a theme from a visual novel. And I can see that. Uh, Nick's saying, visual novel, that's not the vibe I got. More forest than an RP- RPGA, but I might be thinking of a more visual novel, a modern visual novel era. Uh yeah, I can see what you mean. Um but yeah there's there's a definite vibe to that. Uh I do recommend checking out their other work. Um they've, they've done some really, really nice stuff. And so some of it is a little bit long for Chip Corner, but absolutely go and go and check out their work. And throw money at them. Because they deserve. So, thank you everybody for tuning in, even though it was delayed and postponed and, uh... Yeah, thank you everyone who sent requests, and a special thank you to Nick Command for sending me the music... Uh, a lot of the music that I used in today's episode. Uh, I don't know what I'd do without Nick sometimes, uh, cause I... The nature of this show is that I, I take, uh, that a lot of the, the things that I work on, uh, and talk about, are really obscure. Which... I mean, makes life difficult. Um, quite often before Nick, uh, took over as our playlist manager, I just have to use some track that was kind of vaguely related. (laughs) So it's much nicer to have the actual music to, to play for you. So, uh, Stay tuned for Rex's fabulous Sega Mixer Drive, which is on in a bit, and uh, if you have any ideas for a topic for a future episode of The Hidden Palace, you can get in touch with me. I am SkyBlaze42 on Discord. Uh, you can find me on Blue Sky, where I am Blazing Skies on Blue... Blazing Skies at Blue Sky blah blah blah, blah. Uh, You can find me on Mastodon, where I am... What's my name Mastodon? i forgot. SkyBlaze at thevipvipers.space um, Or you can reach me through the, radio, the official Radio Sega social media channels. I hope you've all enjoyed the show. Uh, I've been SkyBlaze. Uh, also apologise to uh, Kevin and the LMC crew for taking their slot because of the, everything going wrong yesterday. I apologise for that. Thank you for giving me your slot. I, I greatly appreciate it. Uh, I am not Kev Blaze, though. <laughs> Kev Blaze has not returned. I've been SkyBlaze, and this has been The Hidden Palace here on Radio Sega. Uh, take care, everybody, and good night. I've got one last track to go out on. And if you are a prog rock fan, there is some influence on this song that you might recognise. I know I certainly did the first time I heard it. So this is from Sega Rocks, Planet Palmer. Take care, everyone. Good night.